<laughs> oh, we be live. Oh, snap. <laughs> Wait, we're not live on Twitch. I have to fix that. Uh, what is it Twitch. in the title that Twitch doesn't like? Twitch is such a sensitive baby. <laughs> okay, I changed the title to AR News for Twitch. Now we're live everywhere. Hi, everyone. Hello. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, look at people being so excited. Secure Reddit and like, all right, watch the AR Weekly News. And what else do we have? Audio is good. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Oh, Miss Mrs. Artsy is here. She's saying news time. Hi, guys. Cool, cool, cool. So, yes, we are going to be covering the news on atheism. Oh, hi, Deborah. On atheism, religion, secularism, maybe some drama, maybe it's culture. Oh, just a little. Politics. We actually do have a little bit of drama. This we week. do have drama today. Yes, we do. We do. We do. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So, how's Please the. Please make sure to like this video because we yes, talked like, about spicy stuff that YouTube doesn't like, but like, I think it's yes. worth people hearing about. So please help mm -hmm. us out by liking this video. It takes less than a second of your life and it's free. If you can't support us, you know, consider uh, just sharing this. I'll help yes. us out in that way. It does. It does actually help comment, yes. engage with us. Um, yes. Liking also, the video really helps growing the channel. So please do that. Full disclosure, guys, not feeling my best today. So I got a little bit of a cognitive fog. Um, <laughs> yes. I Yeah, it's frustrating when you're just mm. not on point. But I made it. Mm. Thank you for complimenting my hat. Yes. Redresh is saying, nice hat, Susie. Thank you. Mm. Hat, and we also here. have Hindutva Susie here. <laughs> <laughs> Hindutva Susie saying namaste to us. Namaste, Namaste to, to everyone in the by audience. By the way, I don't know. You know this, right? Namaste means I recognize the divine within you, right? It's mm -hmm. a monist attitude. And, you know, Hindus are monist and we are monist as well. But they're monist in a way that they think there's everything is made out of spiritual, you know, Brahman stuff. We're monist in a way that we think everything is material, right? So Namaste is referring to the fact that Hinduism is is a monist ideology, like the unlike Descartes, I agree with Hindus that Descartes is full of crap. Dualism doesn't make any sense. The disagreement is that they think everything is made out of Brahman. We as monists think that everything is made out of material, energy, and matter. Right. Um, so I'm thinking that we should find a way. So that's that's why we're all divine because we made we're made out of God stuff. That's why you say Namaste. I recognize the divine within you. So I'm like trying to find out what's the Sanskrit for I recognize the material within you. So <laughs> when somebody says namaste to us, how do we respond in, in our version of namaste? Right. Yeah, That's interesting. I'm going to think yeah. about that. I've been taking some online courses about Hinduism this week. It's very interesting. Yeah. Somebody's saying monist is monist means like some people who are not dualist. Okay. Um, like Christianity and Islam and Descartes, they're dualists. They think that the world is made out of material stuff and spiritual stuff. Like mind. Zoroastrianism stuff. is dualist too, right? Almost, yeah. But but Hindus, like, well, there are some branches of Hindus that are dualists, but most of the most branches of Hinduism is monist. They think like, no, everything is made out of one thing. It's just everything is one thing, right? 
and you have this maya that makes you um, not see it, like you're, there's an illusion, um, and it's, everything is made out of Brahman, right? We as atheists, material atheists, we also believe that everything is, there's no spiritual and material, everything is material. But they think everything is made out of spiritual stuff. We think everything is made out of material stuff. So just like Hindu, Hindus, we atheists, materialists, are monists. Anyways. Yeah, I um, think uh, dualism is really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> For lack of a better term. <laughs> no offense to Descartes. Um, I mean, he's dead, so he can't be offended. Okay. People are keep... Um, people are t- keep complimenting your hat. It is a like really it. cute hat. Thank you, guys. It is. You look like a little, like a little mouse. All right. I feel like a teddy bear. <laughs> oh, teddy bear. Okay, sure. Um, cool, cool, cool. Okay, so is today's news mostly clappy or non-clappy? Like, do we do we have a, a relatively good it's news a or? It's a mix, okay. And the first, oh, oh I just saw the screen. I just saw the tiny little thing. But okay, the first news is, not, guys, we know that the first news everybody knows about it, but we might also have to cover it on Atheist Republic. Everybody's already, everybody has heard about this, but we do have to cover it on Atheist Republic because it's such so it's such an important news that needs coverage. Okay, so yes. first news. First news: Mob lynches Sri Lankan man for alleged blasphemy in Pakistan. In Sialakot, Pakistan. On December 3rd, Priyantha Kumara, a Sri Lankan citizen working in Pakistan, was killed by a violent mob, sparking international outrage. Priyantha was a manager at a manufacturing company in the Sialakot district of Punjab since 2012. Police said Kumara was accused of, quote, desecrating posters bearing the name of Islam's prophet Muhammad. Kumara was preparing the facility for a visit by a foreign delegation and asked workers to remove unnecessary stickers from factory machines. A couple of factory workers allegedly saw Kumara ripping down a poster provided by the Islamist party Triki Lebek Pakistan, or TLP for short, and then throwing it in the dustbin. A rumor that Kumara had committed blasphemy was spread, prompting mobs to gather outside the factory. According to the publication The Dawn, a mob, the mob dragged Kumar outside where he was beaten by hundreds and then his corpse was set on fire. Prime Minister Imran Khan announced that he would personally oversee the investigations and vowed that, quote, all those responsible would be punished with the full severity of the law. Kumar's remains have been repatriated to Sri Lanka. Multiple arrests have also been made, while additional arrests may be underway as Pakistan's government continues to investigate. So um, this is something that happened one day before we did the news last week. So a lot of people then were asking us to cover it when we were doing the news, but um, we have to do research and it takes some time for details to come out and for us to prepare the news to do it formally. So we're covering it this week. And, um, this, oh my God, Dia saying, I work with a guy who defended this. Okay. Like the visceral D you didn't have to trigger me that hard right now. (laughs) Oh my God. So, um, I'm going to be honest guys. I've cried over this incident multiple times this week. It's something that. Um, there aren't words 
for how horrific this is. Um, you can go see for yourself what the last moments of this man's life was like since there were hundreds of people filming the incident and this is posted online. And it, it, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to comprehend, even though as someone who studies stuff like this, I actually do have more insight into this than most people, but it's hard for me to comprehend how other humans can do this to each other. Um, it's, I, um, if you want to see my full thoughts on this, I had a 20 minute rant that I posted on my Instagram. And then I also posted on the atheist Republic channel. You can go find it. It's called, um, like blasphemy lynching in Pakistan. No blasphemy lynching, a wake up call for Pakistan where I was so disturbed about this incident two days afterwards that I just had to like get it out of my system. And I just basically gave a speech off the top of my head for 20 minutes about this incident. Um, and it's something that has shocked a lot of people in Pakistan, but also I don't understand the shock to a certain extent because these incidents of lynching people over blasphemy is not new. Persecuting people over blasphemy has been accelerating increasingly fast over the past two years. I think people are shocked by um, maybe the brutality and public nature of this. And I think that in a... <sighs> In a weird way, I felt a sense of outrage at the shock I was seeing expressed on Pakistani media because I was like, where's the outrage when this happens to your own citizens? For some reason, this only seemed to be getting such a big reaction because this was a foreign national. And I'm glad that this man, this father this member of a community is getting that shock and outrage as he deserves, right? I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to take away from that in any way, shape or form. But it was such a stark contrast to how this is received when this happens to other Pakistanis, I couldn't help but notice. And when this happens to Christians, when this happens to Sikhs, when this happens to Hindu children, when this happens to Ahmadis or Shias, I actually don't really hear about it much on Pakistani social media because I follow different sources. I mean, what's English speaking, right? And this actually got captured the attention. Um, so recently... Um, on Secular Jihadists for Muslim Enlightenment. Me, Armin, and Ali Rizvi did an episode about this. I highly suggest you guys go check it out on the Secular Jihadist channel um, where we talk about this in depth um, and really focus on the human cost of this and 
what is it going to take for Pakistan to wake up, um, to realize that the country is being held hostage by a depth of militant religiosity that few people can grasp, right? I think the country itself is in many ways in denial about it. Um, yeah, this, oh my God, it, it disturbs me to a, a very deep level. But Armin, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, that's a very important point. Like because um, the fact that the fact that Emran Khan is pretending like, oh my God, what is like how what an outrage! Like, dude, this happens all the time in your country, and you you're supposed to be taking care of your citizens, and you don't, and you act like you're you're so, you're so full of crap that you're pretending like this is like a unique situation. Um, and also, it shows that you don't care about this Sri Lankan man that has been. You don't care about it. You care about the international relationships. That's why this is getting more of an outrage. I mean, it should get an outrage, the, you know. But but what about the Pakistanis? Like, what do Pakistan do, don't Pakistan aren't Pakistanis offended that when this happens to their citizens, to their citizens, their their politicians that are supposed to be there to protect them from harm? Okay, so here's the thing, Emran Khan. If this is look at his tweet, okay, look at his tweet. This, if this was horrific vigilante attack, okay, then then the ones that were being done on Pakistanis, then they would also be a horrific vigilante attack. That would be like this is a, this is a day for uh, of shame for Pakistan. Well, what's the difference? Is there any other difference other than the fact that this guy was not Pakistani? So then, then, then every day is a day of shame for Pakistan. Like they're saying, this is a day of shame for Pakistan. There is not a single day on the calendar that is not a day of shame for Pakistan, Imran Khan. And not uh, for you, like, guys, every single Pakistani should be outraged because this man doesn't care about his own citizens. The job that he has is to protect his citizens, but only a foreigner would get this attention. As he should. And it means that this man is not caring enough to actually care about this Sri Lankan man. Because you, how, how much more obvious do you have to make that this is not about this victim? That this is about maintaining an international image. Worrying about what this is going to do to, be, be, about the relationship between Pakistan and Sri Lanka. That's what they care about. If he actually cared about human lives, it wouldn't matter where this person was from. And again, one thing else I mentioned on the Secular Jihadist channel when we covered this, go watch it because we spent an hour talking about this. Um, so go check it out. And Susanna was there as well. She was great. De definitely go watch that. That's, that was really, I think, important coverage of this whole incident that we had there. But yeah, um, the last point I want to make and then we can move on is that they created this knowing what they were creating. Emran Khan is responsible for, for this being a problem in Pakistan. Okay, The military and the civilian government in Pakistan use these radical groups 
that seem to just be willing to fill the streets with blood with the most with any the mere suggestion that somebody might have said anything against the prophet or have done anything against the prophet not even insult the prophet suggested that maybe maybe he's not the last prophet okay it's is is it's escalating to the point where you don't even have to say anything if you're ahmadi or a shia like you're de facto are suggesting insults to the prophet okay because you're suggesting yeah you know. but they have created entire political campaigns and advertising feeding this because they have nothing else to offer the pakistani people these politicians and the army has nothing to offer the pakistani people other than it's, it's such an easy way to get votes and support by saying like hey we will defend the prophet hey we will attack the people who are blaspheming against the prophet oh the prophet this the prophet that we care about it so much right like they keep bending the knee to the mob and suggesting that they're going to be the champions of the prophet they're going to be defending his honor okay, right because you don't have actual things actual services to your people so this is how you get support and guess what well the mob keeps seeing that it's working the mob is like, oh my god, we are like, we're basically the, the entire civilian government is like a puppet, and we be we be the puppet masters. So we're gonna keep escalating, and we're gonna be demanding for more, the more and more and more, and the government keeps giving in because that's how they get support. And the army is using the mob against the civilian government, and the civilian government like, yes, whatever you say, here's this, here's that. Like they are, you know, and, and at some point, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna just completely take over? Like, I know that might be an exaggeration, but even if there's less than a half a percent chance, it's dangerous. We're talking about a country with nuclear weapons, okay? A country with these are the same radical people that have openly suggested that the nukes need to be used against a country like France, okay? This is escalating to a point like it's, it's, like it's, it's just like it's, you have lost the control over these this mob. Like at some point, you everything is going to fall apart. I mean, it has already, to be honest, right? But it could it could keep escalating. But this is what you, Emran Khan. This is what you made. You did this. You did this knowing what exactly you knew the exact nature of these people, and you kept on feeding into it. You le- le- leaned into it. You tried to appease them. You tried to get votes for them. That you did that. So when you say this is a day of shame for Pakistan, this is a day of this is a day of shame for Imran Khan. You are responsible. You have blood on your hand, Imran Khan. Anyways, sorry. I, need I to- think I have a small contention that this, you know, started a lot longer before Imran Khan came to power, but he can definitely be held responsible for the many ways in which he legitimizes the deep Islamization of Pakistan and deepens it in so many different ways, not the least of which is in the education system. Um, oh, yeah, which- I completely agree. I, I'm, okay, this started not, you know, this started when the, fir- the very first day Islam showed up in that area. Okay, so um, like this has been like more than uh, hundreds of years since this thing started right so i'm not saying that emran khan started this but mm-hmm. he definitely fed into it for his 
um, for his personal political gain, knowing what this is, knowing exactly what this is. So, can yeah, I read so, a no, really I'm, quick post that I thought put it well? Yeah. So, um, this is a post by Sean Tassir, and Sean Tassir is the son of Salman Tassir, who was a governor who was assassinated in Pakistan for showing um, solidarity with a Christian woman who was accused of blasphemy. So merely um, showing mercy to an alleged blasphemer or being seen as a defender of an alleged blasphemer in any way can cost you your life in Pakistan. As a, a civil servant, as a governor, he was assassinated by his own bodyguard. So that's the background. So um, Sean Tassir posted, Dear Prime Minister, so here's a little background. Out of the hundreds of people who tortured Priyantha and beat him to death. There was one man, his name was uh, Malik Adnan, who protected him. And this man has been given, Malik Adnan has been given a high medal of honor. So he said, Prime Minister, it is easy to decorate Malik Adnan for his bravery. But if you're serious about addressing the misuse of the blasphemy law, take immediate steps to provide justice to Junaid Hafiz who is languishing in jail awaiting trial. Um, Junaid Hafiz is a Fulbright scholar who was accused of blasphemy, and he's, I believe, on death row because of it. Wouldn't it be a greater honor in, to the memory of Priyantha Diawandana, that's the other name of Priyantha Kamara, than handing out laurels? Be a Malik Adnan yourself and end in injustice rather than a backseat observer who claps at the bravery of others. I thought that was fantastically put. It's easy to just hand an award to the one man out of hundreds willing to risk his life for someone else to prevent a lynching. But what is he doing? What is the Imran Khan doing to help the people who are being persecuted by his own government for blasphemy? Nothing. What is he doing to prevent this in the future. Nothing. It's just a horse and pony show. There's there's nothing behind it. Um, so like I said earlier, if you want to, um, honestly, like this case has re like really emotionally burnt me out. So if you kind of want to know like my full thoughts on this in a more articulated way, I highly suggest you go look up this video called Blasting the Lynching, a wake-up call for Pakistan that I put in the live chat, or go check out the Secular Jihadist episode called uh, Lynch to Death for Blasphemy, where um, we really dig into this. Yeah, Gato saying Susanna cried over the matter getting burned. Yeah, no, I did cry in the middle of that episode. Um, I think... I think more people should cry over this. Um, but yes. All right. Let's move on to the next news. We can clap uh, for this news. We can? Okay. Yes. Next news. Next news. Apostate prophet exposes fake ex-Muslim imam. So, for those who are not aware, and how could you be unaware. Apostate Prophet is the largest ex-Muslim atheist channel on YouTube, and he recently featured in a guest known as the quote-unquote apostate imam. Now, this episode, it took a turn. 
And it took a juicy turn, mon frere. That, <laughs> no, that's, that's singular. I don't know how to say it plural. Okay. <laughs> it took it. Comrades. It took a juicy mm. turn. <laughs> um, so for those who are not aware, um, apostate mom is a man whose identity is completely unknown, who claims to be an Indian um, former Muslim who studied under Zachar Nayak who is a very fam famous... Uh, allegedly. Yeah. yeah uh, allegedly, he studied mm -hmm. under Zachary Nayak. And Zachary Nayak, for those who don't know, is a world-famous Islamic preacher. Um, and, um, you know, he's been featured on a lot of different people's channels and doesn't pass the sniff test. You know, something just seems a little bit off. And um, he's... It's real sketchy. And so the other day I woke up and I was getting started at work and I was, you know, putting something on YouTube to just keep me entertained in the background. And I see that apostate prophet was live with apostating mom. And I was like, uh oh, because he had already been apostating mom had already been on secular jihadists recently. And that episode also didn't go well. <laughs> And so I was like, oh no, like I didn't, I was, I tuned on the episode and I saw this was happening. I was like, does AP know that this guy is like a fraud? Like he doesn't, his story doesn't check out. And so I, I don't want to be the person that is constantly showing up to AP's channel and yeah. being like, <laughs> this is the second time <laughs> you showed up at a posted prophet's channel in the live chat with super chats telling him ap no <laughs> no and the first saying... time was with um the perfect dawa <laughs> who is a channel who is an mek supporter which is an iranian terrorist group who's he's deceptive mm. about his affiliation with that group to ap's credit you know um but i didn't want to show up and be like this <laughs> random white like never Muslim who just polices the ex-Muslim community. <laughs> so I tried to like put it in a good way because the first chat I sent was like, apostate mom, what is your main criticism of the BJP and Hindu ideology? Okay, because, like okay, people might not okay, understand. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, no, no, because because what Susanna knows is that apostate mom is like a Hindu apologist, right? Like he has this whole ex-Muslim um look and we're like oh i'm just here just to criticize islam right and then the secular jihadist podcast like i we kind of like started noticing that so we were like like he's not anti-islam he's actually anti-muslim right so i kept on trying to i tell him like you know can you criticize you know the people who are mistreating muslims in india and then he was like well can you blame them like oh my god yes i can blame them. like he was actually um endorsing abusive behavior and discrimination against muslims and like you're not anti-islam you're anti-muslim like and and he was also making excuses for divorce divorce crimes and discrimination and oppression by him against muslims he was making excuses for that right so we had like we basically exposed that on, on the secular judge's show so that's why susanna was like susanna and the like by the way i was watching this episode by ap okay by the way, if people are like, why are you only liking it right now? I did this. I'm logged in with the, another channel. Okay, I have liked it on my personal channel when I like when I watched it. Okay, so don't come at me. Okay, I do like it. Okay, um, but no, but I was watching it. I didn't know that you used super like. I was like watching it, and then 
I was like, oh no, I hope like AP net recognizes what's happening here. And then I saw you in the super chat, right? Like, oh, Susanna is like everywhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was actually so proud of you. Like, and you were trying to be so careful because you were trying to not like make like a positive profit. Like, because we already told him last time, like, no, you shouldn't have invited this guy. This guy is like a, you know, is a terrorist, part of a terrorist group. And if you told him again today, AP might have been like, oh my, these people, like, I'm yeah. like, they keep, <laughs> why do they keep bothering me about my guests? Like, I'm just going to start not listening to Susanna anymore. <laughs> so Susanna was like, Susanna was like, not saying that this, this guy is problematic. She was just like, can you ask him if he has any issues with Hindu? <laughs> can you ask him this question? <laughs> I'm like, oh no. But, but I'm actually very proud of AP because we like, AP we... called him out so hard. It was so good. <laughs> no, because here's the thing. We 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 criticize him for two guests for not like looking up the guests before bringing him on, okay? But the same two guests, we had them on and we realized there's something wrong fishy about them in the middle of the show, okay? So we are in no position <laughs> to tell a pasta prophet uh, why he didn't do his research because you know the first guy that he had on by the way he couldn't tell that he's problematic uh, right because he's not familiar with mek okay but to his credit he's familiar with somebody who's actually a scholar okay um yes like he was so when he actually recognized in the middle of a show that there's something fishy he went like he went so he went an attack mode. I didn't see a person like no chill, not holding back because like sometimes you feel like you know you want to be polite. Like he like this. You saw it in, this was in the point of the show that like you know what I'm ending this. You have to go. <laughs> I was he like, oh my like, god, you don't even have an undergraduate's degree in like no. religious studies. Like what the what the heck are you talking about? Like yeah, I thought um this was really important and I wanted to talk about it on this news show because this apostate mom guy is getting, he's garnering a large audience in India. Mm -hmm. And so it matters a lot when larger channels platform him and it matters. And I want to congratulate EP as someone who has the largest platform in this space for not only shutting it down as soon as he like realized that something was off and he wasn't comfortable, but keeping it up and like apologizing and being very transparent to his audience and being like, no, I want you guys to see, I, I'm mm -hmm. not going to like take this down and like hide it away. Like I want people to be aware that this person's story doesn't add up. And one thing that I thought was really interesting was when he started to have this conversation with so-called apostate mom was Apostate mom wanted to get into like his criticism of Islam, like right away. Like you could tell he's like memorized certain verses or phrases or hadith, like to show how Islam doesn't make sense. Anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. You don't have mm. to be a Muslim or Islamic scholar to be it's able to do that. But what, yeah. what the reason why you can tell this person is not who they say they are is because when AP asks him for information about himself and when you guys on Secular Jihadists were asking him for his background, his story, like about what is it that personally made you as a human want to leave Islam? There's nothing tangible that follows. 
He just talks about inconsistencies in Islam. But when you talk to most people who've left a faith, they have a person-centered story that fits into the pattern of their life about how they transitioned out of faith. And you can never tease that out of whoever this person is. And so when you guys had him on Secular Jihadists, I remember afterwards, so for those who don't know, go check out that episode on Secular Jihadists. Um, because, oh, this guy is such a fraud. Halfway through the episode, all of a sudden, when Armin starts to press him, Armin starts to press him like juice. And <laughs> as soon as he, all of a sudden, his computer starts dying. All of a sudden, the battery on his laptop starts dying, and he can't continue the episode, even though he had been hounding Ali Rizvi to have this episode for weeks and kept praising Armin multiple times for inspiring, like, leaving Islam and his ex-Muslim activism. All of a sudden, yeah, he when these crit people, he credits me for leaving Islam. Yeah. <laughs> All these sudden, when these people who you admire so much that you've been waiting for weeks to talk to, to, to boost your channel, they start pressing you. All of a sudden, your laptop dies and you have no charging cable. You have no power near you. It doesn't make any sense. And so I was talking to Ali afterwards and he was like, yeah, as soon as he's not able to articulate anything yeah. about his why he was personally moved to leave this faith, that's when I knew that something was off. Other people don't yeah. talk that way. You know what I my what I imagine, okay? And I have no I have no uh, reason to I have no evidence for this, but I believe it anyways. I'm kidding. You're like I'm just guessing this is my hypothesis, right? That apostate imam is the version of ex-Muslims that Hindutva wanted and never got. <laughs> True. Oh, so, that's such a good so, way to put it. So they, so they have to create it. <laughs> so they're like, damn, like they're like, oh my god, look at these Muslims leaving Islam, being anti-Islam. This is fantastic. We could use these people, right? So they jumped on the ex-Muslim bandwagon for a while until they noticed, like, oh yeah, we actually don't like any religion, <laughs> and we're like, we, yeah, right, and we're not gonna be like endorsing. Hindutva tactics, and also we're not anti-Muslim, and we're not going to endorse any uh, mistreatment of Muslims anywhere. They were like, "Damn, this is like this is not this was a bad investment because they used to like support us. They used to like, um, and again, I have to like tell you, like Abdullah Samir, um, Harris Sultan, Apostate Prophet, they had a massive following of Hindutva who supported them, and they decided not to keep giving it like feeding that and us actually coming against that with like a huge cost to themselves right huge cost because they, these Hindutva people they, there's a they're 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 a massive audience and it's so easy to take advantage of that and build a large following you know what i mean and build a large following and just be like um they're just, they're just willing to you know and the fact that the temptation was there for these ex-muslim youtubers and they didn't and they lost patron, like they lost subscribers. They lost pa uh, patrons. Apostle uh, Prophet lost patrons and subscribers because of this, right? Um, not because of this, but because earlier, like he came and defended me against Hindutva. He lost so many supporters. They don't care. They're like, we're gonna have to stand for what's right. So this, to me, proves that nobody, nobody can seriously um, accuse Apostle Prophet Abdullah Samir or Harris Sultan of being grifters. 
you know what I mean, of being just like just saying whatever to get patrons or subscribers. They're not like that because if they were, the Hindutva community was ready and willing and they didn't give into it, right? And the fact that the only the only ex-Muslims that some of these Hindutva was like maybe like holding on to was Yasmin Muhammad. I'm hoping that she gave up on that, but Yasmin Muhammad <gasps> was disappointed. Did you not see? She's openly working with hardcore Hindutva supporters that are no. well known to push fake news and bigotry towards Muslims. Remember I sent you that two hour interview. Oh yes. Oh no. Yeah. Yes. Muhammad is the only one she got. Unfortunately, this is very shame. Very shame. You, you know, more, more people need to uh, call her out. Anyways, this is what you create. You create, like we don't have enough ex Muslims that are dancing to our, you know, to our tunes, and we so we have to create a fake one and call it apostate mom. Um, and yeah, he's by the way he's growing. He he is growing. They're like because most of his fans are Hindutva because they were like, oh look, we have an ex. We created our own ex-Muslim to you know to celebrate. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I like how I like how apostate prophet actually changed the name of the title after to mm -hmm. apostate imam exposed right like this is now this this episode needs to stay there for people to be warned about this guy so this is good i'm, I'm glad that he did that yeah um, it's really awesome this is a hilarious comment wait where did it go oh murtad skeptic is saying he's he is a murtad munafik is this Hindu <laughs> <Fatakia>? <laughs> So oh, for those who don't perfect. know, a munafik, it, it means like a hypocrite. It's someone who outwardly expresses to be a Muslim, but inside they're not. Inside they're an apostate, so they're they're fake. And then Murtad is an apostate. So he's saying he's he's That's he's fantastic. he's a, he's a fake one. <laughs> that that really made me laugh. Um yeah. This is this. Megumin is saying Ridwan called out Hindufa on Twitter. Hindufa flooded him with once a jihadi, always a jihadi, secret jihadi, and all the victimhood Olympics. Classical tactics. They do this all the time. Um, mm. On a different note, I, I uh, oh. no, it's, that's the same thing. Um, yeah. I would like to congratulate Ridwan, apostate prophet, for recently receiving his American citizenship. Oh, yes. Oh, I was yeah. so excited for him. I was so Ooh, happy. Congratulations. Honestly, I, I have to admit, I thought he already had it, right? So I was like, but but yes. Yay, congratulations. I was so excited. Like, um, I do I feel a little bit of a special pride that I can call him a fellow American? Yes. And I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> Wait, I just we, saw something. We get to call Ridwan a posse prophet. We get to call him an American. And I'm down, damn proud of it, okay? And we're happy to have you. Right. We, okay, wait. I'm, I'm so happy that we get to have a citizen like Ridwan. There, yes. it's, it's awesome when we get citizens that share amazing, awesome values like him. So. United States just got a little bit better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yay, he's one of us, Susie. USA. <laughs> <laughs> Luke is <laughs> the local British <laughs> bloody <Island>. yanks. <laughs> I, I do want to address something in the, an accusation in the live chat. Right? Um, hence, uh, 
uh, Hendutva Susanna is saying it didn't <laughs> gets me every time. <laughs> didn't know about Apostolamon, but most ex-Muslim Western YouTubers behave like ex-Muslim movement should be exclusive to Western world, not to India. That is actually so false. Let me tell you why. Because <laughs> before we realized that this guy was full of crap and that he's making excuses for discrimination of Muslims, we were having him on, right? So he, the apostate imam himself is proof of the fact that this is not the case. Because the fact that he was based in India, like, we were actually celebrating that. Like, we were. this is why he, we were trying to be He doesn't claim like, to be based in India. He claims that he's in London. But I don't know India. that. Okay, so first of all, so then if if he if he claims to be based in London, then that doesn't work with your your with your claim because every other ex-Muslim is also like from somewhere else, from most of them from Iran, from Turkey, from Pakistan. They just happen to be living in Western countries. The only reason why they're more outspoken in Western countries is because they get to be they get to. Uh, it's less dangerous for them to like it, you know if they are outspoken and in Bangladesh. Well, that's that's kind of scary, right? So that's why we hide. There's more ex-Muslims outspoken in Western countries. It's not like that we prefer them. Um, it's just that ex-Muslims prefer to live generally, right? On average, most ex-Muslims prefer life over death, right? Um, but no, we. I didn't know that he was based. I thought he was based in India. We had no issue with him. Um, we were we wanted to celebrate him for the work he's doing. The only problem we weren't like, oh no, you're bad because you're not based in a Western country. We we're like, no, you're like you're full of crap, uh, because you're promoting Hindutva and you're promoting anti-Muslim bigotry. That's that's the problem we have with him. Yeah. Well, and I would also because somebody out here is also saying Indian ex-Muslim wants money. That's what they will go to such lengths. Okay, first of all. This whoever this person is in real life, they are not representative of the, of the Indian ex-Muslim community. The Indian ex-Muslim community, particularly in South India, is flourishing so greatly and increasing so quickly that it is catching the attention of Associated Press affiliated news services like Religious News Service. Like they have their own feature to talk about how much of a growing movement it is in India, the ex-Muslim movement. It's huge. And so this one person who is in all likelihoods a complete fraud, and we're happy to correct this if he can like actually produce things that make his story seem at any way credible, okay? But um, no, this isn't representative of a huge movement, huge growing movement in India. So I, I mean, love even, Indian if, even if he's even if he was a scholar or a former imam, he's still full of crap because he openly endorses anti-Muslim bigotry. So and we're not for that. We're not for that. Um I, I just want to say like something people are talking about Yasma Muhammad in Lakshad. I still will celebrate Yasma Muhammad when she does something um good, you know what I mean? Like you, you know, we criticize her when she supports Hindutva, but that doesn't mean like we're not going to like completely dismiss the work she's doing, right? Like, for example, um, you know, recently she she signed a letter um, to, the, to the Canadian government asking for atheists to be recognized as refugees in Canada. Yeah, we for celebrate the Afghanistan that. situation, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We celebrate that. Okay. So again, we don't completely like we, some people are saying, yes, Muhammad was a disappointment. Like don't completely write off uh, somebody. You know what I mean? We could say instead of saying, yes, Muhammad was a disappointed disappointment, say like this act by her was a disappointment. So that when she does something that is not a disappointment, we can we don't completely dismiss her as a whole. We were like, oh my God, this was fantastic. Thank you. Yes, Muhammad. And we're like, oh no, this was unfortunate. Maybe don't do that. Maybe like yes, Muhammad. But don't complain. Like she's not somebody that we will completely write off. Like we will celebrate and we get disappointed, dependent and dependent on what she does. Anyways, um, you know, I thought no, just one final thought. I thought it was really interesting when you said that you know ex-Muslims didn't turn out to be what Hindutva thought they would be, and you know why it is? It's right. because <laughs> Muslims, ex-Muslims are leaving a right wing, sometimes depending on how fundamental they are, they're, they're leaving a far right ideology. So they're not inclined to go running back into one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have experienced what it's like to be, to have like a, a, a government or a mob, um, <laughs> you know, like analyzing everything you do and trying to find ways to attack you right like we know what is what that what is that like and we don't wish that upon anybody we don't wish that upon ex-muslim atheists but we also don't wish that upon muslims <laughs> so if you want to have a different label to uh, and use that as a way to mistreat people um you're like yo we we know what this is like you know um and we're not gonna endorse it for anybody yeah yeah very good points with that huh very good point very good um okay megumin i see you, you're being satirical it's kind of funny but we're gonna have to move on um can we clap for the next news yes this next news is a wild ride okay good next news next news ex-muslim poses as an orthodox jew to marry a jewish woman and sparks fbi probe so this what? is gonna go into this is going to go in so many different directions. Uh, Elia, uh, ha Elia Hawila, a 23-year-old Lebanese man, and Sally, a Syrian Jew from New York, were recently married in August. Elia's real name is Ali Hassan Hawila. Uh, he was born and raised as Muslim with no Jewish heritage. However, he convinced Sally that he is an ortho ultra-Orthodox Jew. He told Sally that he is estranged from his family in Lebanon and associated with an ultra-Orthodox association in Texas for many years. Sally eventually discovered a Lebanese passport with an Arabic name and immediately notified her family. Her brother visited their apartment and found a Palestinian passport bearing a different Muslim name. At that point, Huila tried to uh, explain that he was an NSA agent on a mission. Sally's parents and friends free subsequently contacted the FBI, initiating an investigation. While the FBI is investigating whether Elia's claims of being an NSA agent are valid or not, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Israeli consulate in New York are also investigating the possibility of Hawilia entering the country illegally. Wait, okay. Can you... <laughs> What I don't, um, this has, yeah, some people in the lunch were asking for charts and like you have to draw this, yeah, out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, basically, you know, he presented a certain story to this woman that he married, and then 
it didn't hold up. And so I'm going to explain it from our understanding of what actually happened. So I watched an interview with him on Israeli television where he was speaking in English and he talked about his story or what he claims to be is his truthful story. And so he claims that he grew up in Lebanon uh, in a Shia Muslim family and that he never felt religious. He never felt like a Muslim. And then one day he discovered the um, Tanakh, the, the Jewish Old Testament. And he felt like this is something he connected to. He felt deeply connected and compelled towards Judaism. And people in his community started to find out that he identified as Jewish. And they would discriminate against him, send him death threats, um, and do Wait, nasty while living where? While living in... In Lebanon. Okay, okay, okay. And so he immigrated to America at some point. And when he immigrated to America, that's when he started to fraudulently paint himself as someone who was authentically ethnically Jewish. And mm. he went to yeshiva. He can speak. He can speak. Oh God damn. He can speak fluent Hebrew, and but I it's do. a kind of Hebrew that is like other speakers can mm. tell that you learned that Hebrew in a yeshiva based on the way you mm -hmm. talk. Mm -hmm. And he became fully integrated into the ultra Orthodox community because this is something like based on the way he's talking, I almost feel bad for him. Like he really seemed to, this is some like a deeply held belief of his. Um, okay. But the problem was that he fraudulently painted himself as someone who's ethnically Jewish. And he technically has not undergone the formal religious traditions to be called a Jew when you're in a really formal way. Um, there was so all of this is not criminal yet, right? Yes. Well, where it becomes interesting is when his story suddenly started to be revealed. There were inconsistencies. And when questioned, he was like, uh, I'm an MSA agent. And he, he presented Why? them some sort of documentation that was supposedly mm. claiming that he was an NSA agent. So now, but an NSA agent would never documents. tell anybody, huh? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Would but an agent wouldn't ever tell anybody that they're an agent, no? I mean, presumably. <laughs> wouldn't presumably. that be the first? Wouldn't that be the, your first clue that he's not an agent, given that he's telling you that he's an agent? Yeah, but the big problem is now that he did make that claim that he went so far as to present falsified documentation to back up that claim. And mm. now there are suddenly three passports associated with him. One of these passports potentially um, signifying that he was actually a Palestinian living in Lebanon, then who then came to the United States. And um, so now he's wow. in big trouble. His wife has been taken away from him. They've, uh, I don't know if they're formally separated, but she's like no longer with him. Um, she's somewhere else to be like kept safe. And um, now, now he's in trouble with the federal authorities and they're even investigating if he's in the country legally. Um, it's interesting because when this was um, reported in other news media, they said that this is a Muslim man pretending to be Jewish. But if you read through his story and actually listen to him, like, I wanted our news editor suggested that we call him an ex-Muslim because I do get the sense that this is something that he actually really has left Islam, that he's very sincere in his Jewish faith. 
and he actually has a GoFundMe so he can go do his what? conversion in Israel. Oh, um, and <laughs> I feel I if his story that he now has come forward and say, like, apparently when the FBI showed up, he's like, I give you full permission to spy on everything I have. Like, I'm not affiliated with every, anyone like mm. and he was on Israeli television, like crying because he's like, they took away my wife. Like if, you know, she might not even want to be with me because of what I did. But like they took away the love of my life. You know, right, so I right. did really like I did feel bad for him in that sense. Um, but in a so lot he of ways, this sounds like a guy who's you know, he's 23 and he kind of got in over his head. Wow, he's 23. Okay, so the lies are that he was not he, he told them that he was born Jew, but he didn't tell them that he was converted to Judaism, right? Yeah, and technically, he, he hadn't completed that actual form conversion, of conversion yet. Conversion as well, and also that. <clears throat> Where did he say he was from before Lebanon. they found him? No, but he said when his wife discovered his Lebanese passport. Oh, the, the oh, okay. So the, they knew he was from Lebanon, but the passport had an had Arabic a Muslim name. name. Yeah, instead of a Jewish name. Okay, cool. Um and and then the, even he was even though he had a Lebanese passport, he was originally from Palestine. Well, there's reporting around a third Palestinian passport being somewhere wow. in the picture, but the, where exactly that fits in isn't clear yet. Okay, now it makes sense to me, expect, except the part that says he had to lie about being an agent. Why would he lie about being an agent? What was the purpose of that? He probably panicked. He, he just wanted to explain why he had a different passport. Yeah, like why do you have a fake name? What, why fake. do you have fake government oh. documentation? What is this? What is this like dual identity? What's going on here? Hmm. I'm a double agent. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, like, sounds like a kid that just went. Yeah, okay. Um, interesting. It is funny. Yeah, but it, it's funny that you would assume like, let me prove to you that I'm an agent. And then they say agent. Like, show me the <laughs> when in history... Have you had like somebody trying to tell civilians, right? Like, here's the documents that I'm, I'm blowing my up my cover for love, and here are the documents. Here's the proof. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. it's interesting. You're not a very good. You're not you're not a very good agent if you go out of your way trying to prove that you're an agent. But yeah, go. On. You, 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 you <laughs> usually, usually it's the opposite. Usually, your job is to do the opposite. But going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not to produce the documentation to prove. <laughs> um, and it, it made me sad because I saw one is a commentator on Israeli TV talking about how in different um, ultra Orthodox communities, like him not being technically Jewish, like given that he like actually had done the proper conversions ahead of time, like him not being ethnically Jewish would have possibly been not that much of an issue for maybe like an Ashkenazi or Mizrahi background, but because they're Syrian Sephardic Jews, apparently they are much stricter about someone being actually ethnically Jewish. And so that is a way larger violation than it would possibly be for other communities. Um, mm. So if that's the case, it, and this man is sincere, I feel bad for him because he was crying on TV over his wife. Like, it made, <laughs> I don't, it made, it, it hurt, it hurt my heart. Oh, but okay, <laughs> respond to D. Uh, Dia saying, what did they do with her? Took her away. I'm like, they were living together as a married couple and they just took her out of that household. 
I like it how the word like took her away doesn't make sense to people who are not born in religious family. <laughs> so like, who took her away? <laughs> like, how can you take a woman away? Like, it's not like it's, she's not like a <laughs> she's not like a car. But I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> it's a, it's a conservative. <laughs> like, I like it's a foreign like to to people who I don't know to people who might not be like in conservative household. It's just like a. I assume it's a foreign concept that you could just take somebody away as if like they have no agency. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if you're a woman in a conservative family, you don't have agency. People just take you away. It's like, whoop, it's not your wife anymore. It's ours now. Yeah. It's basically treating them like property. It's really, yeah. <laughs> Wait, Murtad Skeptic is doing the uh, movie <laughs> exposition. Like, yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got myself into this mess. Let's rewind. <laughs> like it's oh, a yeah. freaking Ryan Reynolds movie. Oh man, Ghost Bunny is saying the wife got repossessed. Oh. And Chuvo is saying, wait, where did it go? True love is greater than the NSA. Mm. That's true. Facts. All right, so let's read this while I get the next news. Megumum is saying, I don't know what the woman would think now, but the man should have been honest with her. He could have asked her to help to convert to Judaism before marriage. Problem solved. Yes. And he even says, like, this is my fault. I should, like, the guilt of, um, you know, not being honest with people, like, did, you know, eat away at me. Um, or maybe he, like, really, I can't remember exactly how they met, um, but maybe he knew that her community was more strict about someone being ethnically Jewish, and that's what motivated him to go this route. I don't in know. In his def in his defense, um, he's 23. So and yeah, also this was love. This is another version of love. This was actually no, never mind. Okay, okay. All right. So can we clap for the next news? Um no. Mm, no, let's not do it. Okay. Next news. Next news, Nigerian Christians told to abandon church going to avoid Islamist violence. In Nigeria, on November 19th, an unknown person delivered a letter to the police headquarters in uh, Gusau, Nigeria. The letter threatened Christians in the Zamfara state and told them not to hold public worship or Sunday services. The letter stated that the penalty for not listening to their demands would result in attacks, abductions, and church burnings. Zamfara State Police Command's spokesperson, Mohamed uh, Shehu, stated that a special task force has been patrolling areas surrounding Christian churches to protect worshipers. According to the police, a particular Fulani association took credit for writing the letter. The Fulani people are a primarily eth Muslim ethnic group that live in West Africa. Director of Communications of the Diocese of Sokoto, Father Chris Uh, Omotosho stated that the church officials in the state have, quote, made no formal statement, but can internal strategies are at work. The Christian Association of Nigeria calls the threat, quote, decisive by declaring war against Christians. Amazing. Amazing. This is what you get with Islam, by the way. I mean, do we get this with any other religion? So, But Hinduism, you get like, okay, if you're in the streets, like not in the mosque, you get like, you might get, you're not, you're not going to get 
violence, but you're going to get harassment, right? Um, but Hindutva. But with Christianity, we never get something like this. We, we're never going to have a news title saying, I don't know, Nigerian Muslims told to abandon mosque going to avoid Christian violence, right? We don't, we're not going to get a news. Um, I don't think that's true. Um, there's okay, lots of me. instances of um, evangelical versus Catholic violence in Central and South America that we've talked about. Um, evangelical versus Catholic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's, and, yeah, no. Okay, so that's that confirms that that's not what I was saying. I was saying like Catholic, okay, I was talking about Christians attack on Muslims because they're Muslim. Well, I mean, we we do have the Crusades. Okay. Oh, I'm talking about now. Okay, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also there the happen. There's like individual. Um, yes, not to the okay. Generally, right now, okay. When what about we the get, Christchurch attack? Generally, right now, an average, okay. And also, that guy was not a Christian. Anyways, generally, right now, I'm just saying that when you hear about violence against, you think, what about this? What about this? Like, I'm talking about. It averages okay you don't get violence when you see violence on religious communities one religious community or another religious community it's a safe bet to say it's an islamic group intimidating or um causing violence on another religious group it's pretty um it's a come on susan it's like number like no no yeah violence. yeah on average percentage. globally yes it's very yeah, it's it, very context dependent but yes in fact it's like the fact that you mentioned Christchurch shows how unique that it is for it to be other way around for it to become like when it comes to uh, islamic violence it's so common that it doesn't get international coverage do you know what i mean it has to be for it to get international coverage, it has to be a uniquely rare incident uh, where it is an attack, a violent attack on Muslims. Not that it doesn't deserve the international attention that it gets. It does. It should. But I'm just saying it's a rare relative to... Anyways, I don't want to do... Um, I'm not saying like... Okay, people are going to misunderstand what I'm saying. People are going to think like I'm saying attacks on Muslims is not important. It is very important. It needs to get a lot of attention. Well, okay? even the attacks not, on Muslims not, on average are by other Muslims. Yes, yes, exactly. And I'm also, true. I'm also not trying to play oppression Olympics and be like, like, oh, this yeah. is, this, you know, just, you know, I'm not trying to do that. But it's just a fact. It's just a fact that when you see um, violence, religious violence, it's a safe bet to say, well, it's not 100% safe, but you're more likely to be correct if you assume it was an Islamist attack, okay? Like, that is that is just numbers. It's just statistics. It's just numbers. I'm not saying anything controversial here. If people want to keep doing what about is them, what about here, what about here? Yeah, it's true. It exists, but not to the same level. It's not, to, it's not, a, it's not even closely to the same level, unless you focus on a specific region, right? Um, but yeah, globally, it's obviously mostly. And again, it has to do like it cannot. It, it, it's not just socioeconomics, right? Uh, the fact that no. Islam is like often so involved in in, in uh, violence means that socioeconomics is a factor, but Islam is also a factor. You cannot like the nature of the religion. There must be something about the nature of the religion. 
that ha that has this effect. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to read a little bit of this letter that was um, handed over to the police. So um, in the document, members of the Fulani Association who are planning to launch a war against Christian religion claimed responsibility for the anonymous letter. Quote, we want churches to be closed from now to the next three years. If they are not closed, we will start burning them those behind the letter threatened and added reference to Christians in Zamfara quote, we will follow their pastors to their houses, whether during raining or during the middle of the night and kidnap them and their family. They claimed responsibility for some previous attacks on Nigerians saying we have been harming people, but we have forgotten the Christians. So we will start from now until Christmas time. We are going to start uh, with the churches located on the outskirts of uh, Gusau. We are going to start kidnapping the kidnapping of Christians and burning their churches located on the outskirts of the Gusau town. And we are doing it when no one will expect it to happen. We are taking this action because they, the Christians are the ones that started causing this problem. They harmed our children at the Saminaka area and chased away our cows while rearing behind Karma hotel. And, um, so now there's all these security me measures that are happening um, to protect the Christians in this area, including like plain clothes officers that are doing investigations. Um, and it's, um, so a statement from the Christian association of Nigeria said, we know that all kidnappings and other criminalities being perpetrated in the Northwestern part of the country are the handiwork of terrorists who either migrated from the Northeast or those who were released under the purported rehabilitation program of the federal government stating no child, no Christian should be chill, killed in Zamfara. Um, and then they call on the federal authorities and the military authorities to stop turning a blind eye to these kinds of kidnappings and these threats. And basically they point the finger at them for um, the way that they handle these criminals as like wholly unacceptable and um, maybe not punishing them as much as they would other criminals. Um, kind of implying that they have a bias towards them because they're Muslim. Um, and um, that they said, we have no problem with Islam or with our Muslim brothers and sisters, but the handful of fanatics and their financiers who have declared a war against Christianity. Um, and um, then they talk, we call on President Muhammad uh, Buhari to sanction any commissioner of police or zonal police commanders and the director of state security services, wherever kidnappers operate in the community, in the country, henceforth. So basically they're saying that they're not actually holding these people accountable. They're failing to um, prevent these kidnappings and abuse, so forth. And then they also ask for the state to take on and help the community, refund the community for everything they've had to pay out for kidnapping ransoms. Unbelievable. Interestingly Wait. enough, recently there was an, also an attack on a mosque in Nigeria. Um, so this, where hmm. in, for this Christian story, this happened in kind of the like Northwest area generally of Nigeria. And then the mosque, um, uh, the mosque killings happened also in the Western area of Nigeria, but a little further South than this town. Okay. And, and that has been done by Christians that attack on the mosque. Um, 
wait, let me find it really quickly. Um, uh, I don't know if it's known who was responsible for it yet. It's, um, Mm The attack is the latest escalating violence in the northwestern and north central Nigeria where armed groups have been targeting remote communities, uh, killings and abducting residents for ransoms. Um, The the attack on the mosque is also allegedly done by the same, well, a a Fulani group. Oh, no. Okay. Wow. Um, Here's the thing. Nigeria has so much potential. Okay. Nigeria is going to be one of the largest countries in the world by population and it's growing very fast like um and there are a lot of talent a lot of talent coming from nigeria and this is a, this is a country could that could be the star of uh, of africa you know what i mean it could be there's so much people ready there for doing um you know work and bring it like look at how well the nigerians do when they go to other countries right for education or for like um high, jobs that require higher expertise and they're bringing and also within nigeria okay this is a country that is being held back with religious conflict right and if it didn't have that the potentials would be endless like and it could be bring so much wealth not just to Nigeria, but also to its neighboring countries, you know? So this just, just cut this crap out. Like, look how much these fairy tales, it's just like these religious ideologies. It's just like holding the countries that are, are need the need to come out of the Stone Age the fastest, right? The countries that I could like um, are showing so much potential. They're being held back the most with this, with this nonsense, right? The cost of religion is not just people violence and people being attacked. All of all of this instability is going to affect everybody, not just the victims of the violence or the intimidation. It's going to basically scare away a you know capital and investments and businesses, and which will have a, a major positive effect on people's lives. And th- again, these are the people in, on the planet that need it the most, okay? And again, it's not going to just be Nigeria. If Nigeria has a success story, it will impact every other country around that region as well. It could be a role model of how things should need to be done. You know, th- all of this potential is just being, you know, again, I'm not saying it's going to be wasted because Nigeria is still going to grow. But again, it's just, it's just like a barriers it's a, such a major barrier to progress yeah i think the issues in nigeria or also just the sahel in general are very complicated because there is a very legitimate economic factor behind these issues and um what makes it difficult is how people need to acknowledge that there is particularly in this instance with the Fulanis, they have um, economic grievances um, that we can, we can address both, right? We don't have to say it's just this or just that because it's well understood. If you study like socio-historical thought um, or research that uh the worse material conditions you live in, the more likely you are to have deepening fundamentalism in a society because it helps. It, it It's a way to try to provide us some form of stability or structure in the society. 
it's a very flawed way to do it. So worsening socioeconomic conditions are going to worsen fundamentalism. However, um, we need to also attribute that when you're saying that you're acknowledging that there is the fundaments that these ideas come from, right? Like that when you're saying, oh, well, it's only the socioeconomic conditions that make the fundamentalism worse. You're still talking about and attributing, acknowledging that there are very flawed fundaments of a faith that are at play here. Um, did that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, let's move on to the next news because we need to um, move. Yeah, we spent enough time on this one. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Sus. Um, none of this would make any sense if you weren't explaining it to us. Seriously, thank you for doing the background work to and explaining it to us. All right, can we um, clap for the next news? I don't think we should. Okay, next news. Um, next news. Journalist arrested for apostasy in Saudi Arabia. Ali Abdul Lahoum, a Saudi-based Yemeni journalist, was arrested in August and charged with apostasy and insulting Islamic sanctities. On October 26th, a criminal court in uh, Najran sentenced him to 15 years in prison. Lahoum moved to Saudi Arabia from Yemen to work as the executive director of the Alwadi TV channel. Reporters Without Borders, or RSF, SF for short, reported that Lahoum was initially arrested for a labor complaint in which he allegedly owed work to an unnamed employer. Later, RSF obtained a copy of the document refuting the initial claims of his arrest. The paper mentioned the cause of his arrest was using social media to, quote, spread ideas of apostasy, atheism, and blasphemy. Uh, Sabrina Ben-Nui, RSF's, RSF's Middle East desk head, is calling for his immediate release. She mentioned that, quote, space for debate and exchanging information is still subject to draconian surveillance in Saudi Arabia. A 2020 Amnesty International report stated that despite all the rhetoric of reforms in Saudi Arabia, the Arab state is still systematically silencing dissent. Um, so this is a little bit of an older story, but I just learned about it recently. And so I wanted to feature it because I thought that this was um, important. And it goes to show that these supposed image of Saudi Arabia, like liberalizing is not what it seems. And I also wanted to note that I think it's so fishy that this man's Twitter account has now been fully suspended. So there's no way for people to actually go see or investigate what his tweets promoting atheism, hypocrisy, and blasphemy even were. Saudi has a suspicious relationship with Twitter. I'm just going to put it like that. Mm, um, okay, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Um, no, I mean, yeah, we do. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't know what happened here. Okay. Um, where is he? What's the situation right now? As far as we know, he's still incarcerated. You know, like every single time that Saudi Arabia is like trying to be like, oh, we're good now. Look, we have Halloween. We have Halloween. We have theaters now. People could go watch movies. 
people should be like, where, where's Lahum? Is that his name? Lahum? Mm -hmm. People should be like, where's Lahum? Okay. Every response to people like, every time Saudi Arabia has tried to be like, come please, we're running out of, <laughs> we're running out of oil money. We're running out of oil money. Please come tourist here. We, we're not, we're not Wahhabi anymore. We're not Wahhabi. Look, Halloween. Halloween is shirk. We're shirking here. Look at this. How much more, how much more anti-Wahhabi do you want us to be when we have Halloween? Muhammad bin Salman is coming and basically saying like 95% of the hadith is not legitimate anymore because it's not mutawatir, even if it's sahih. That's what MBS apparently says. It's like, what the hell? And you're like, people are like, oh my God, that's so extreme. We love it. It's reform. People are like, people are like, no, fuck off. No, seriously. Like you're, you're torturing people. You're arresting people for, for leaving Islam. For atheism, atheism is still a, a, a considered terrorism in your country. You're making your anybody that has questions your authority disappear, right? So, and you have, and you're also responsible. May I remind everybody for the greatest humanitarian crisis of our lifetime, which is like the bombing and starvation and um, using disease and lack of medication as a we weapon in Yemen against women and children, against civilians, okay? So the Saudi, the, um, Mohammed bin Salman is not an image of reform. In fact, he's a monster, worse than the people that came before him. I will go as far as saying, if you think Mohammed bin Salman is, is, is progressive because he's moving away from, you know, Wahhabism, I would say Mohammed bin Salman is worse than Wahhabism even if it's not based on Islam, okay? Muhammad bin Salman is such a monster that his politics and his ideology and his methods are worse than Wahhabism and Islam, okay? So him moving away from his, like being an Islamic fundamentalist is not progress, okay? He himself, what he represents and does, even if it, even if it becomes completely secular, secular and without any religion at all, Okay, even if still like oh Saudi Arabia is now a secular country, religion is not even uh, Quran is not our constitution, and everything is now going to be completely done independent from religion. You're horrible. You're still you're still a monster. You by yourself, Muhammad bin Salman is a monster. Okay, again, none none of this should none of the reforms that they use as a way to whitewash all the crimes that they're doing should be. Nobody should buy that again. And also, yeah, people on Twitter, anywhere, every time Saudi Arabia were like, oh, look, look at our beautiful buildings. Oh, look, Vision 2030. Oh, look, look at this, how futuristic our plans look. Yeah, people should be like, where's where's the home, right? Or, you know, and every single other um, person that is now being tortured. And Free Raif Badawi. Raif Badawi, Another, another yes, journalist and blogger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, this is all. And also, guys, if, if Saudi Arabia ever does anything right, just remember that they're doing this because they're desperate. Because they they're have seen so the writing desperate. on the they've seen the writing on the wall. They know they can't rely on the United States and they know they can't rely on oil forever. Okay. They are begging for investments. Okay, they're on their knees telling asking you to come and watch their celebrity. And also, please shame every single celebrity that goes into Saudi Arabia. And performs a show there as a way to wash, whitewash their human rights record. Okay, they are part of the problem. Every athletes single celebrity, too. athletes and celebrities, every single one of them that goes there and does this, they have blood on their hand. They are part of the plan of distracting away from 
Muhammad bin Salman's crimes. They're actively taking part. Like, and they know that they know they're doing that because they're every time somebody announces this, they have a mass of people in the, in the audience on Twitter telling them what they're doing, and they still go ahead with it. Um, so they knowingly are providing cover for human rights violations. So you have to. It shame reminds them. You have to me call of when um, David Beckham became um, some sort of ambassador for Qatar, like was paid millions of dollars to be some sort of like whitewashing ambassador for Qatar. Like what such so disgusting. It's so viscerally disgusting. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. What which one we should also use the um other approaches. Well, there was one celebrity that canceled once it was brought to his, his attention her attention. I forgot which celebrity it was. Do you guys remember which celebrity it was? Was it Nicki that, Minaj or I think Beyonce I think, apologized for previously performing there? Yeah, but I think yeah, I think it was Nicki Minaj who canceled. So yeah, people should not just like shame the celebrities who uh, go there. They should also congratulate the celebrities that cancel because they're like they're saying no to a lot of money. Okay, yeah, it was Nicki Minaj. Yeah, so they're like basically saying, oh yeah, this is horrible. I'm not going to be part of it. And they're like, they're saying no to money. When people say no to money because of human rights, you should be like, thank you. You should be on Twitter telling them that's great. Yeah. You know what it is? It's the power of the gay community because Nicki Minaj knows how much the gay community keeps her bills paid. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, so, <laughs> so they were going hardcore at her <laughs> for the Saudi situation. <laughs> she was like, oh, shit. Okay, so we should be actually thanking the LGBT community. You know, guys, what a lot of people need to realize that the LGBT community has gone far beyond protecting the rights of the LGBT community. Like they have been, everybody has benefited from the activism of the LGBT community. So thank you oh, for that. Speaking of, I want to give a shout out. So we're talking about praising celebrities when they do the right thing. So for example, there's Lewis Hamilton. So Lewis Hamilton is a prominent F1 um, race car driver. And he recently was talking about his unwillingness and hesitancy to go do his sport in mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia. And he specifically cited their abuse of the homosexual community. And, um, so there's been a lot of this has been mm. this has caused a lot of attention um, in the Gulf world, and um, so shouts out to Lewis Hamilton, and um, it it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. I can't remember if it's going to proceed forward or not. There. Okay, okay, that's good to know. How are you aware of everything? Okay. Um, can we <laughs> can we clap? I for keep my ears please? to the street and my eyes to the ground. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, can we clap for the next news? Um, yeah, this is this is lighthearted. Next news. Next news. Townspeople in India try to pray the potholes away. So, in India, a prayer service dedicated to a pothole was recently held in Bangalore city, uh, Karnataka, India. A video of the incident was shared on Twitter on November 30th. The video shows flowers that surround a pothole while two priests perform religious ceremonies. The decision to hold the service came as the city's inability to fix potholes caused constant problems for most of India's tech city residents. Residents of uh, 
Bharathi Nagar in Bangalore decided to take matters into their own hands and prayed for a pothole in Charles Campbell Road. The video quickly went viral and received a lot of attention. Some thought that the stunt was a clever way to criticize Bengaluru's failure to address the pothole problems while claiming to be India's top tech city. So, um, this, oh, hi, Harris Sultan is here. Um, yes. <laughs> so I thought that this was just like kind of funny. And you know what this made me think? This made me think in my area, we need this in Oakland. Okay. We, we need to pray for the streets of Oakland. <laughs> if you live in a city <laughs> that is plagued with potholes, You'll you'll start looking for God because you're like this is wreaking havoc on my vehicles and I put a lot of money into this, um, so I just thought that this was like, you know, kind of just like cute, a little silly, and I thought it was interesting how people were saying like um, that it in many ways this is just like a form of protest or mm. just to raise awareness and get attention on this issue. Um, because oftentimes cities are not compelled to fix this kind of thing. And a lot of people are saying what is really responsible for this is a lot of corruption in the city because there's supposed to be a lot of money that goes towards fixing a lot of things. But it's such a persistent problem um, for the people who live there. Um, and we're uh, <laughs> talking about saying God might be more likely to fill them, to be honest. <laughs> okay I, I have a question why don't they like they're all here mm -hmm. wouldn't it be like wouldn't they be able to fill it right now like instead okay, of okay well that requires actual supplies and a little bit of expertise uh, and also possible does um, permission okay. from the city but also that's not their job this is the job right. of the government like, to true, provide true, proper true. infrastructure for its citizen. Okay, okay, okay. Although you know right. what, there actually is in my area. There's something called the like the pothole patrol, the pothole fairies, because and it's 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 founded by a collection of libertarians and anarchists who go and in the middle of the night they will go fix the potholes in Oakland themselves because they are so tired of the failure of the city to do it. Um, they're like, the government is failing. We're going to go do it ourselves. So I feel like this is kind of, um, a similar spirit. Um, mm. and so we can't really criticize them like this, this guy, like we might be like, ah, no. <laughs> no, like we might be like, okay, this is stupid. Like we're atheists. People are praying away some, a problem, but it works because they got the attention, like their goal was to get attention on a problem. And the fact that we're talking about it means that it, it, did, its, it did what it's supposed to do. Like if they weren't doing a prayer, if they were just standing here and holding a sign and like, oh, this is bad, why is the government? People wouldn't care. People protest all the time, right? Like it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like this, with this level number of people, you wouldn't be able to get coverage of the fact that this is a problem, right? The fact that they decided to turn it into a prayer now we're talking about it, right? So this is the first time that prayer works, <laughs> right? So because we, we always say nothing fails like prayer, but in this unique situation, the fact that they're using prayer instead of other forms of, of protest 
means that this gets more attention than than. Hmm. No. So uh, to be fair, I don't, know, I don't know if this specific pothole was filled after this, but people will go to creative ends to fill potholes. For example, D is bringing up potholes are made to look like male genitalia in my area, and then they fill them. So there's this show, and this reminds me, there's this show I used to watch called The League. It's a comedy show. And in it, the potholes are so bad in their area that there is this one character who's Jewish and he goes and paints a swastika over the pothole. Oh, <laughs> so no, that don't. the city will then cover it up and fix it. Like oh. that's the lengths that people go to to get oh, rid of no. the <laughs> And then the funniest part is that he's caught on camera painting it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like him like like, <laughs> they're like we're gonna bring this to your synagogue like what is this <laughs> i don't know if that would work in india people might actually oh yeah ce celebrate that they were like oh yeah <laughs> i'm not talking okay guys i'm not being confused i'm not talking about the counterclockwise or clockwise the actual swastika yeah, the, yeah, yeah. they actually them. might like they might actually like that okay it's not the not the hindu one Oh, okay, that's what you meant. Never mind. Um, no, yeah, Mein Kampf is a bestseller in India, so... Hmm, okay, oh, jeez, I forgot it. about that. Um, <laughs> so, before we move on, there's one thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. And this is just a moment of uh, uh, transparency and reflection with our audience. So, the original article of this... The original title of this article was Indians Try to Pray the Pothole Away. And as I was uh, doing the news this morning and getting stuff ready, you know, I was thinking and I went back to my team and I was like, Indians pray the pothole away. You know, I kind of feel like that title is like generalizing, like irresponsibly. And mm. I didn't like it. Um, so I talked about my team with it and we thought about things and you're like, you know what? You're right. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. So we corrected the title and put a little note at the end of our article to, uh, mark that change. And um, I don't know, I just wanted to take that moment to say that because um, yeah, like... because the intention was not so yeah, so the intention was not like, Oh, we're gonna pray and the pothole is gonna go away, right? They were like, it was being used as a way to protest and bring attention to this, right? So that's, that's very good. See guys, like, we're not the you know, Susanna and the, our news team, they're not just trying to like, you know, make things more ridiculous than they are. Um, we corrected the Susanna corrected the title. See, like we're being fair. Like they're not trying to pray the pot hallway. So this needs to be fixed. This one here. No, no. I'm saying before it was generalizing it to just like Indians, like all Indians. Now I'm oh, saying okay, like but, okay. no. It was like we're specifying that it's like you know a specific I, group. Okay, I then okay. Let me go further. I still think like it shouldn't be to pray. The, okay, so oh yeah. So you were trying not to generalize. That's fair. That's good. That's good. Um, but I also think that the title still needs to be not, they weren't trying to pray the pothole way. They don't, they're not under the illusion that by pr their prayer, the pothole would be fixed. Right. So I think that's also like a little bit of a, it needs to be a bit of fixing. Maybe I'm being too picky. What do you think? Because like, they don't think like this, this prayer by itself is going to fill the pothole. They're trying to use this as a way to bring attention to this issue. So maybe that's also not fair in the title. 
Yeah, I don't know. If you think of a better recommendation or anyone in the live chat, feel free to let me know. Let us know in Um, the comment section what would be a better uh, title if you have any. At the same time, try to pray the pothole away. It just, it's such a good rhyme. It has such a good (laughs) ring to it. So (laughs) I just tried to make the part about the people not generalizing. Yes. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. But yeah, I just want to talk about that because um, I actually do. I, I am very self-reflective about the way we cover these issues. Is Harris still here? Because we're going to cover something. Oh yes, Harris. I'm calling. Is to that you. the real? Is that a real Harris? Because it could be like a fake Harris. How can we tell? Oh, okay. you, I think you can actually if you're in the real live chat and not the streamyard live chat. Um, well, I have the real live chat in front of me. All right, so let's because the next story is about Harris Sultan. So can we clap for the next news? No, right? Yes. Oh, we can. Oh, oh he's here. here. <laughs> Wait, I can't tell. I can't tell on my phone if this is a real, real this Harris. Real Harris Sultan. Will you please guys? Can you tell up? us? Figure out. Can somebody t- find out if this is the real Harris? I can't tell. Um. Okay. Anyway, does he have enough people guys? or enough subscribers to get his uh, account verified yet? That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Um. They're gonna clap for the link. Anyways. Next news. Next news: Hara Sultan's fight against online jihadis. Uh, prominent ex-Muslim YouTuber Hara Sultan, known as the Pakistani Mulhid or translation apostate, has been the victim of several online death threats. The abusers not only ta- target Sultan with threats, but also his family members. In the past, Harris has been able to identify and stop such abusers with the help of private investigators who can gather information and report it to the local police. Unfortunately, this process is quite expensive. This is the atheist community's chance to help Harris, if you feel so inclined. Um, His GoFundMe is set up to raise money and the necessary funding to catch these abusers and stop them before these threats are acted on. And he's also extending this to other ex-Muslim activists who face death threats for their activism and criticism of Islam. Um, so I can put the uh, link, link to in the, the live They're chat. almost there. Look at this. Guys, help them get to 5,000. Look, they're so close. Wow, look at these donors. $300 in, in two hours ago. That's pretty good. Anonymous donor. Amazing. Um, yeah, and you can see in this video... Um, they put all the death threats that they're getting, and these are these are a lot of these death threats are coming from people that live in, you know, Western countries. So mm-hmm. they should they, like you. It should be easy to find them, and get and get them to pay for this for the threats. Like they are, they're like on. They're look at them. They're just like recording themselves. The, and this guy's in Europe, and he's like, "I'll find." Scenes <laughs> on camera. It's so crazy. Like this is a death threat from someone in Europe, with his face there, and telling, uh, promising Harris that they're gonna they're gonna find him and they're gonna you know like obviously there needs to be, a, I mean he just to be clear, Harris Sultan gets way more death threats from other I was countries. Just about to say. Like, like this is this is just a few. Just few of them happens to be in Europe and or in North America or in Australia, but they're not even trying to go after the ones that are coming from Pakistan, right? Like, obviously that's like pointless. There's way too many of them, and there's nothing you can do about them. 
But just a few of them that are in Europe and in North America, the fact that they haven't already gotten in trouble for it, uh, it's unbelievable. Like this is supposed you shouldn't be able to do this. You shouldn't be able to threaten somebody for being an ex-Muslim in these countries and just be able to just continually live your life as if nothing happened. Like you should get like there should be some legal reaction to this. So apparently, the I think correct me if I'm wrong. This this uh, fundraising is supposed to be used for private investigators to find who these people are, and then maybe yeah. take action. Like, oh, look at this! This guy is from UK. That guy was from Germany. So the-, the idea is that even if you report this to the police, if you tag them on social media, if you bring this to their attention, oftentimes they're not compelled to actually go forward and investigate and really dig in and take matters into their own hands. And so that leaves a lot of room for stuff like this to escalate. And um, not only does Horace get targeted, his family gets targeted, or people who are completely unrelated to him that these online abusers just think are related to him. And they go dox these completely unrelated innocent people threatening their life. And... um, you know, Horace feels like responsible to this for a certain extent and wants to track down these people to make sure that harm doesn't come to all these other people who are associated or actually completely unassociated to him. Um, And so one way to help prevent this from escalating is to hire private investigators. And then they go, they do their investigation, and then they can go back to the police and present the, basically do the work of the police for them. And then the police wow. see, see all the stuff presented to them, all this evidence, and that's when they're more likely to actually take action. And that's when these individuals start to get contacted by the authorities, realize that there are real consequences, that they're in hot water for their actions, and start to suddenly change their tune. Like if you go to the GoFundMe link is in the description. Also, I just put it in the live chat um, mm. and you can go watch this video. Um, Horace features multiple times when all of a sudden these, you know, abusers who were threatening him with death were suddenly changing their tune, you know, like, Oh, I'm making, you know, just tripping over themselves to apologize. Like, I don't want any trouble, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. Um, mm. Because they felt the heat of the law suddenly upon them. But you know, this isn't cheap um, to retain these services. And this also isn't exclusive to Horace. He's saying that he wants to actually make this available to other people who are threatened and abused with credible death threats because of their activism. And, um, you know, I just want to say out of all of the ex-Muslim activists I know, any activist I know personally, Horace gets the most frequent death threats, credible death threats out of everyone. It's crazy. It's yeah, really because yeah, because he because he's focusing on Pakistan, which also shows you how much worse Pakistan is relative to other places. Um but yeah, and also imagine doing so much to try to make the world a better place and this is the thanks he gets. <laughs> like this is such a thankless job, right? Um, Harris Sultan is saying police hasn't been as helpful as you would hope for. Um, one thing I'm, ass- I'm wondering if that's um, if uh, $5,000 is like nothing. It, it, this should be like $100,000 because I've um, th- leave- one thing you could do to get police pay attention is to get lawyers contacting the police department, right? Then the police really takes you seriously when you do that. But lawyers um, 
lawyers in these countries are very expensive, right? One one reason why our fundraising at Atheist Republic is like a bit cheaper, and uh, we ask for less money when we need legal help, is because our lawyers are based in India, right? So we get to be like, guys, we need like fifteen hundred dollars for our legal costs, and you guys like, you guys give us fifteen hundred. Thank you, by the way, for that. But we get to ask you for less to be able to continue fighting our legal fights against Endutva and the BGP and all of that, right? Um, but again, I don't know. I think like Harris needs more, more than $5,000 because legally, if they want to make sure they go after them, lawyers are so expensive. Well, um, luckily, yeah. GoFundMe, you know, doesn't put a limit on how much money you can raise. And should supporters feel so compelled, they can push it well beyond $5,000 Australian. So, yeah, you know, depends on the support yeah. from the community. Yeah. Um, anyways, you want to read some of the comments before I move to the next news? Bring up the next news. Horace is number one. Horace is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this, Horace. Horace is tall and strong. He can beat up one of these betas. <laughs> uh, just a lot of, just a lot of love for him yeah. and what he does get justice for ex-muslims mm. thank you guys okay so yeah and again guys link in link was in the live chat but it's also in the description so if you're watching this later make sure check it out you know and if you are do not donate to uh, fundraisers if you can't uh if you're financially struggling However, you could still share it, right? So if you cannot afford to help anybody financially, you could still help by just sharing the fundraiser, right? Okay. So can yeah, the sharing is doesn't cost you anything. Um. Okay. So can we clap for the next news? Oh. By the way, this was Harris. You shouldn't thank me. Susanna picks the news, so this was completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So can we clap for the next news? No. No. Uh, next news. Next news. Hardline Hindus attack Catholic school for, quote unquote, converting children. In India, on December 6th, a mob of Bajrang Dal and Vishwa Hindu Parishad, or VHP, members, two notorious right-wing Hindu groups, attacked St. Joseph's School in Ganj uh, Basoda, India. On the day of the attack, more than 300 protesters gathered outside the school's compound around noon. A video posted on YouTube showed protesters throwing stones at the glass facade of the school's building. Brother Anthony Taimunkal, the school's principal, re requested police protection but did not receive any help until after the mob had dissipated. Nilesh uh, Agro... Agarwal, one of the protest leaders, claimed that the school was converting Hindu children to Christians. According to Vatican News, the attacks were triggered by a video posted on YouTube showing first uh, communion photos of, uh, sorry, showing pictures of a first communion and confirmation ceremony officiated by a bishop at the church. Uh, Tainukal stated that the video is spreading false information. He added that none of the students participating at, at that event even studied at the school. So this is a case of another uh, fake news, fake video being spread around South Asia with the intention to incite 
uh, collective violence against a minority. We saw this in Bangladesh. We saw this in Tripura. Now we're seeing it in this area, this time with Christians. And um, one, this is a big story that came out last week and a lot of people were sending it to me. And I thought it was also something that was interesting to cover in light of um, us talking about the rise in anti-Christian violence in India last week. Um, And this was another very significant example of that. Yeah. By the way, a lot of a lot of Hindus uh, sometimes gonna when we cover a story like this, they're gonna come in the comment section like, "Oh, so you support? Like, do you know how bad the Christian missionaries are?" And there's, I, I mean, there's a lot of videos, ridiculous videos of, of Christians in that are trying to convert people to Christianity, and they do all sorts of crazy moves and dances and speaking in tongue and the, the videos themselves are so ridiculous uh that we sometimes share you see we we used to actually share them but we also see them shared on atheist channels to show how ridiculous christians can be and i think a lot of hindutva liked it like that we we shared how ridiculous christians can be when it comes to the, their practices in india or around that region but at the same time like i don't think like I think a lot of people, religious people, think binary. Uh, that means like we, if we were like, if we say like, look, look, somebody in the live chat also, where was this? Like it's, it's somebody saying it's true. Christian missionaries are converting in large number either by bringing or praying to, uh, what I don't understand the rest of this or praying money to poor. Okay, but yeah, but it's missing the point. Like we could be, you guys are completely missing the point. This has. It's almost like saying, like, father beats up child senseless for not doing his homework. And we're like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Wow, this father beat up his child. That's, like, so barbaric. And somebody comes and says, well, it's true. He didn't do his homework. Aren't you, aren't, are, you, are you against children doing their homework don't you think it's bad when kids don't do their homework like relatively to this reaction it's like not even comparable like the fact that even if it's true i mean in this case the story was like a fake video right but even if it's true this like a lot of people think like we should we should like be on the side of like this kind of action because we're atheists and we're we're against missionary work so we should naturally be on their side. Go on, Susanna. Okay, well, when this person is saying that it's true that they're converting in large number either by bribing or paying money, I know that historically this has been true. I am suspicious about your claim about this happening currently. I'm highly suspicious, especially your emphasis on large numbers. Um, that's why there's the slur rice bag against Christians in India because of you know, that influence from the British of saying you get rice basically if you convert. Um, but in, well, just as a Catholic, I have to say, we don't do speaking in tongues <laughs> as a former Catholic. I'm like, no, what I are know, you talking about? we don't do that shit. Um, no, but I see videos. From no, no, India I have, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Um, yeah. but I, I just, in my heart, I just had to say, that. um, but What's so ridiculous is that according to the statistics from this school, um, 
there's like less like only one percent of the students at this school are actually christians or actually catholic most of the students that go to this school are are not christian like um it's just part of um I, I have friends in India who are part of our community. They're atheists now. They went to Catholic school when when they were Hindu. They were still Hindu afterwards. It's just a matter of um, where they can get better education. And oftentimes it is from Catholic schooling. This is true around the world. It's true in the communities that I grew up in. I mean, I was a Catholic, but you also got better education at the Catholic schools. Um, however, I'm not going to pretend like education has not been a force of conversion or indoctrination around the world. You know, um, especially the Jesuit tradition, which is something that I grew up in, in my education, there's a large emphasis on bringing education to people as a something you're compelled to do for the love of Christ. And it's also a tool that they use to teach people about Christ, right? So I'm not going to pretend like that's not true. Um, however, I'm highly skeptical of the claim of them mass converting these children when it's primarily about providing education. Um, but now in terms of the attack, mass conversions do happen though in India. And some of them are like the, the, the some of the practices are very bad. Like, like that's, we know that, um, in this instance, this seems to have been a fake fake news but even if it wasn't fake news the reaction is obviously outrageous like this it doesn't you, you should be able like the fact that you people keep highlighting well they do this they do that like well you're excusing such horrible attacks indirectly you're saying well you're indirectly what you're saying is that this was justified that's what you're saying like look at look at the comment look at what Hindu Susanna is saying Hindu Susanna is saying the people in Abrahamic religions are always trying to impose their faith on this. I'm not going to act like that's not true. There is an evangelical impetus in, well, particularly Islam and Christianity, right? Right. I'm highly familiar with this. I'm not going to act like it's not true. Um, I've mostly seen, um, interestingly enough, when I've seen mass conversions in India, it's been um, Dalits or scheduled caste people. Um, converting to Buddhism. Um, so mostly people mass converting as uh, impetus to try to escape casteism. But that's besides the point. Um, Darko was saying that's far from forced conversion, though. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to this news, it's really interesting because the school is claiming that they had some reason to believe that this attack was going to happen and that they informed the police and that they asked the police for protection. And then the police refused to give them protection because they said, Oh, they're just going to come like chant some slogans. And then they're going to like go leave and they're allowed to go chant their slogans, whatever. If you watch the videos of this, they actually burst in through the gates of this school and they break onto the ground. They start shattering glass and throwing stones through the windows of the school. And they're shouting Jai Shri Ram the whole time, which means glory to Lord Rama, for those who don't know. Or um, it's basically the Hindutva Allahu Akbar. And um, then it disrupted the schooling of all these children. Apparently, they were in the middle of exams. And 
interestingly enough, they said, oh, well, we just moved the children from one room to a different room where they can continue their exams. I was like, why did you make them continue their exams? Like, at least let the attack finish and then, <laughs> and wow. then go back to the exams. Like, bam. But that's besides the point. Can we watch um, a video? Yeah, well, let's watch a little bit. What? You have audio, right? What the heck is that guy doing? What is this? I, this is far worse than I thought. Over a fake video? Yeah. This is giving me Pakistan vibes. Yes, it is! Yes, it is! Unbelievable! What the hell? 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 What This is it's so weird for me to think about this because I'm like, if you do genuinely believe that there are children being forcibly converted in there, like, do you not think that you're scaring the crap out of those kids? Even Hindutva Susanna is saying, yes, it gives bad Pakistani vibes. <laughs> like, guys, if Hindutva Susanna is saying this, then you know this is true. <laughs> yeah, there are children yeah. inside that building. They know that there are children inside that building. Like, what is their, what is their aim here? Like, this is clearly just a, con a continuation of the escalating rise of violence against Christians and the narratives that they paint against them. And, um, like, the photos of the First Communion were reportedly, like, kids who were already from Catholic or Christian families. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was funny as saying, these people need to Jai Shri Ramad up their asses. <laughs> okay that's really good that was really good <laughs> i can't believe we hadn't come up with that yet that was funny i'm gonna use that i'm gonna use that all the time that was good uh, um okay oh my god it's um yeah, what I thought was interesting, though, what I wanted to finish my thought on was that one, they, the Catholic uh, authorities in this area are saying that they requested police protection ahead of time. They didn't receive it. And then they say when this attack did happen, they didn't receive any assistance from the police until over an, over an hour of the attack occurring. Apparently, only like four people have been arrested in relation to this so far from the reports that I, the latest reports that I read. And um, then when it comes to the damages, the, the church or the diocese is saying that there was over $40,000 worth of damage to their building. And, but the police registered that there was only like 20, 24,000 or dollars worth of damage. And the police from their side of the story, they say that they did provide protection, but Clear, Not, it, even mean, if they did, I, they clearly um, failed. Because where is, one, where are they? 
two, you didn't <laughs> stop anything. Yeah, where is the police so here? Look at he, this video. If, you, if the police did were, were involved in protection, they failed solely to do so. Wait, wait go I back. What, drives the, what is that guy doing? Go back. I, I can't understand. get over that. I don't wait. understand. What is happening so, here? Yeah, yeah. If you're listening, they're like throwing. Pause, uh, pause, pause. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> this drives me crazy. Everyone's throwing stones at the glass through the building, and there's this one guy against the wall on the property. I don't know what he's doing. He's like tearing off this wooden and side. This guy's running towards him. <laughs> Look at this. Uh, he's just like this really. Bajrang Dahl is such a mob of goons. I feel like that really captures their mentality. Like, they have no plan. It's just to go in there and start ripping stuff. Just destroying stuff. Like, what What are you doing? You, you're, oh my god. I think, I think it's like a, a perfect way of feeling significant. Of part of something. You know what I mean? Like same yes. in Pakistan or 100%. in India. They're like, somebody insulted the Muhammad. Like, oh, I am going to be more than just mean today. I am going to be a hero, the defender of Muhammad's honor. This gives me significance. This makes me an important part of the universe, right? I am doing something honorable and I'm like going as this hero, as this warrior mentality, right? And again, these people are like, oh my God, Christians are converting children. Today is the day that I will be the hero. I stepped up. I, you know, I defended my country against this like ideological invasion of our country. Like, you know, I am Mother India. Like, you know, Jai Shri. By the way, can you explain to people who are don't know what Jai Shri Ram means? Because some people are like, "What is that?" Didn't oh, I like explained that, earlier. It means glory oh, okay. to Lord Rama. It's like okay, I but said, people don't... basically like okay, it's... Allah Akbar. Yes, it's a it's a Hindutva version of Allah Akbar. Um, yeah. What is this, Harris? We call them Tunis. I don't know, Harris. What does that mean? Um. Yeah. Wait. There was a good um comment by Rudrish that I wanted to read. Okay, find it. Whenever you see them, you can start them so you could go back to them. There's a new feature. So here he's saying they don't understand the apt response to these conversions, so they think intimidation is the way. And this is, I saw another comment from Rudresh earlier basically saying, like, they have no actual argument. Like, they don't know how to, like, talk any, they don't have arguments. So what, they have violence. Hmm. That's basically it. And I bet you, I bet you they wouldn't even be able to communicate with you while they're doing what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> like if you Honestly, sit down with no. them, it, it, no. <laughs> I bet I would. I would take that bet. Um, yeah. Okay. Anything else you wanted to add before we go? To I the wanted next to thing? find. Um, wait, give me thirty seconds. 30 there was seconds. a comment by um, a figure from the Catholic community there that I wanted to read. Um, and yeah, I, I'll. Okay. You do that while I read this comment. Um, so, me Archbishop oh. Felix Machadao of Versailles Diocese ex expressed being saddened by the attack. Quote, it pains my heart. I'm not even asking uh, which religion we belong to, but are we human beings? Where are we as Indian citizens? Are we living in the 21st century? 
He said anyone could have been injured in the violence. Is there law and order in this beloved country of mine? I am not debating about religion here. Every life is precious. I don't know. That that comment really struck me. You know, like when stuff like this happens, like people really grieve for the nation that they're in because they do have affection for where they're from. They are members of this nation too. And to be so violently otherized must be a very painful experience. Yeah. Um, um, read the comment. And, yeah, uh, and Midhum is saying, and the funny thing is that in my state, the Catholic Church has a soft core of soft corner for Hindutva politics. BJP and RSS leaders meet up with Catholic priests. It is so that they can team up with them against Islamists. I'm not entirely surprised by that. Okay. All right. Can we clap for the next news? Um. Yes. Next news. Wow, that was exciting. Next news. Harvard recognizes caste-based discrimination within institution. So this is very interesting. Um, Harvard University has recently become the first Ivy League university to recognize caste-related bias. The Harvard Graduate Student Union approved changes to a four-year contract, adding caste as a protected category. The new provisions of the contract will pave the way for caste-sensitive policies and projects affecting close to 5,000 student workers at Harvard. According to Aprana uh, Gopalan, a graduate student union organizer at Harvard, this change came after Equality Labs presented their study to Harvard's, um, or their research to Harvard's administration. Equality Labs is a Dalit-centered civil rights organization whose goal is to, quote, end the impression of caste, apartheid, Islamophobia, white supremacy, and religious intolerance, end quote. The decision to recognize caste-based discrimination gained an overwhelming 70.6% approval. Ajantha uh, Subramanium, a professor at the Department of Anthropology at Harvard, stated that Harvard's recognition of caste discrimination, quote, can empower oppressed caste students and employees. Okay, I hate to be a buzzkill. They didn't recognize this before? So... Like, wait, do, this is like, this is something that is a question that caste-based discrimination is a thing? Um, you're misunderstanding. It's not that people deny that this is a reality, so to speak. It's about establishing a policy within their institution to actually create a protected category that recognizes caste. So mm -hmm. in America, protected classes are gender, sex, um, sec uh, okay. sexual expression, you know, race, all that stuff. But if you try to fit caste within its nearest companion race, it actually doesn't fit and it doesn't capture the totality mm -hmm. of what caste is. And so it's about making sure that there are policies on the books within this institution to um, appropriately address caste-based discrimination. Because if you tried to address discrimination on the basis of caste before, there wasn't really a policy that appropriately fit it. Um, yeah, but this is policies for where? Um, particularly Harvard student workers, specifically. Mm, mm -hmm. um, so this is an issue in, in Harvard? Like, 
I thought they were recognizing it as an international thing. That's the thing, like, but that's not the case, right? Like, they're just like in Harvard, we recognize that. So they're just coming up with a decision for Harvard as this being a protected class in Harvard. Mm-hmm. So exactly. this, okay, okay. So what this could do, okay. So that yeah, that's a okay. That's positive. What this could do is could it could set a precedent for other places to, to do this as well, and maybe mm-hmm. governmental organizations will at some point recognize this as a protected class as well. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe maybe and then maybe one day entire countries. So I don't understand the word overwhelming here, given that it's only seventy percent. Like I think that's like not that high like what was the what the hell like what was that what was the 30 percent thinking this is not overwhelming Over, overwhelming would be for me is like 90 percent or something like or 100 <laughs> percent okay. Like, okay you're editorializing <laughs> like a little bit but i get it <laughs> i still don't get it like these are educated people at harvard and yet 30 percent of them were like no this is not something we want to protect well, maybe they don't think that it's severe enough within their particular institution to warrant a policy. I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, then you that was a that speculation. Trans- I don't know. Okay, if that's the argument, then that you can make that for trans people. Like, well, we don't have that many trans people, so it doesn't need to be a protected class. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't yeah, want to yeah. go down that. You don't want to go down that route. What's yeah, interesting so get- is that apparently yeah. this is something that was campaigned for for eight months. And there was a lot of pushback from the administration and um, student workers even went on strike over this. They sec- they threatened a second strike over this. And it wasn't until this U.S.-based nonprofit, Equality Labs, actually came to the university and presented their research that they had mm-hmm. on the subject of caste-based discrimination in America that they changed their mind and actually mm-hmm. went forward with having this included in part of their contract negotiations. Interesting. Read this comment that I had later. Um, Megumum is saying, Armin, casteism is relatively new to Americans and other people in the West. Also, most people who immigrated from India earlier were upper castes. True. How will most of us know all this? Okay, this is Harvard. Okay, this is not new to Americans. This is not just your average American. These are people that are the most educated some of the most educated people on the planet they wouldn't be like oh i'm just an american i can't recognize something that hasn't doesn't exist within the borders of the united states like these people are aware of the goddamn of things that are happening around the planet so i don't i don't judge them like oh it's new to america yeah this is this is hard work this is not your average just random american um this and also I am like the benefit of this is not just like oh in harvard there might be not that many lower castes or dollars there this is like to me the benefit of this is like putting setting up a precedent like the, the, you're you're basically this is the benefit of this is beyond harvard this is just normalizing it it, pro, it provides a framework and a reference and a roadmap for other p- institutions to be like well i mean this cannot be the like if, if if you go now suggest this to another like i don't know for-profit institution or a governmental institution or another university they wouldn't think like this is a ridiculous suggestion because Harvard has done it. So it's like it's such an easier sell in other places. So this opens the door to everywhere else, right? Yeah, that um, was actually an exact. So the the Print India um, was talking to a lot of different people about this issue and contacted one Indian student studying at um, Harvard and said, they, or actually studying at a management institution somewhere in America, 
and they said this move by Harvard has set a precedent for all higher education institutions in the USA. So I think more recognition of caste in America is going to be very interesting moving forward and having a major institution like Harvard recognizing this is going to be not only um, important for people to bring to in courts when they're trying to have the discrimination they've faced on the basis of their caste recognized, but it's also going to be interesting, like, when I, I messed up what I was saying. No, it it's not only applies to students in other universities, but also it applies to workers at other institutions, because this is um, going to be seen as legitimizing in, in many different ways. What I thought was interesting is that this is um, the first Ivy League university to recognize caste-based discrimination as a protected class. But there are other American universities who have um, recognition of caste-based discrimination, such as the University of California, Davis, Colby College, and Brandeis University are three other U.S. universities that do this. Um, I thought what was interesting was... Um, there, I was looking into quality labs. We've talked about, um, like probably a year ago, um, some of their work before, and they make this assertion, which is a pretty strong assertion that wherever South Asians go, caste is carried with them. And as there is an increasing, um, presence and power garnered by South Asians in America. This is something that needs to be recognized and addressed accordingly. Um, the work of Equality Labs I find is pretty interesting. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a Dalit-centered organization. And I, it's founded by this girl um, who I think her like online name is Dalit Diva. <laughs> and um, a lot of people will probably find a lot or the way that they talk about certain issues to be very woke. Um, but I do think their efforts to um, actually put research behind this issue is very important. Um, so yes, another interesting move yep. in America. Yeah. You know, guys, like we have got some bad experiences from, so you have to be careful not to get, not to get, be allergic to woke language. Okay. Because the thing is that protecting minorities, a lot of the fringe woke people, the language that they use has been parallel, like has been borrowing and affecting the entire group of people that are responsible for protecting minorities. So we as people who are anti-woke, when we we have experience with woke people, we have the we see how the languages that we use, and because of the bad experience we have with them. We have this negative gut reaction to anybody who speaks like that, but we shouldn't. Like there are a lot of the movement of protecting minorities is much bigger than the fringe woke community. So you might like go listen to these people that are trying to protect minorities and you hear languages that reminds you of your experience with woke people. And you're like, ew, what, what? Like you're one of those people. No, I mean, you shouldn't like, this is, um, this is similar to how, we are treated sometimes because people think like um, they listen to racists and then they listen to us. And they like, we say some of the things that we say are anti-Islam advocacy. They just seem like, Oh, it just like slightly sounds like the people who are anti-Muslim bigots and they just dismiss us as being racist or bigots. So they just, just because it sounds somewhat the same. 
which is not, I mean, if they were familiar with the topic, they would know that we're not the same group of people. So you should be careful not to do the same thing with people who are trying to protect minorities and their language sometimes is sim very similar to the fringe Wokistani people. Um, doesn't mean that you should dismiss their work. They're doing very valuable work. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not going to um, dismiss and just like miss out on what is really valuable about what they're doing just because I you don't like the way that they're talking about it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that this is also a really interesting thing because so I have a friend who um, moved to go to university here in my area from India and I have interesting conversations with her because I live in one of the most lefty areas in the country, right? <laughs> and um, it's interesting to get her perspective on how she experiences woke culture, which is extremely prevalent where I live. And she was saying to me, she's like, Susanna, I'm going to paraphrase. Like, it's really interesting how people trip over themselves to be so inclusive of me in this almost like awkward kind of painful way when they fail to realize that particularly for South Asians, the people who are coming here from the United States are the most privileged from our communities. Yet they're tripping over themselves to accommodate me as if I'm a victim or if I'm oppressed. But I am the most well-off or among the most well-off, you know, from where I was born, where I come from. And I think there's that was a very interesting juxtaposition for me and i think this discussion around caste is going to be very interesting to see how that evolves because this does complicate the way that we have to talk about certain minority groups um or minority groups within north america and um this is going to be something that is somewhat complicated um for people who have a little bit of an not so nuanced wokest view um and how they engage with different groups and the assumptions they make about them um so i just thought that was interesting and i wanted to share that yeah that was very interesting um did you want to highlight or add anything else before oh um, manas is late like oh we're talking about cassis no you're late we're moving on um, <laughs> you should rewatch re this it was yeah anyways so can we clap for the next news yes we can <laughs> oh <laughs> next news next news atheist republic ceo speaking at protecting blasphemers three that's me guys i'm giving <laughs> a speech next week <laughs> <laughs> But yeah guys make sure you go watch this but go on yeah tell us tell us what this is about um so next week i oh let me put the link in the description um i am giving a speech at protecting blasphemers three this is the first time no the the second time excuse me the second time that i'm speaking at this event i spoke at this event last year and this is a really interesting event if you want to learn more about um, the issue of blasphemy around the world, and part of the format is that we um, highlight the cases of individual people who are persecuted or affected by blasphemy laws around the world, and then we have a discussion period where we talk about the issue at large, and then we have an extended Q&A. So um, this is your chance. Manas is saying, way to go, girl. Thank you, Manas. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so I'm really excited because this year I am going to be speaking on a panel with um, lots of amazing leaders of other atheist organizations like Ron, Ron Ahmed at Atheist um, Refugees, uh, Robin Bloomer at um, the Richard Dawkins Foundation, Dr. Howard Berman, who's part of AAI, and Ona Romano, who's part of CFI uh, Canada, or Center for Inquiry Canada. Um, Say hi to Rana for me. I will, yes. Um, uh, so I'm very excited. Um, I already know which blasphemer I'm going to feature this year. And um, wait, I'm getting distracted. You say something while I put the link in the... Okay, so now Ghost Bunny saying, where's the link? Question mark, question mark, question mark. It's in the description. <laughs> it's in the description or in the... We'll put it in the live chat as well. I know, give me a second. Okay, okay. But guys, so I I hope I I don't know if people know Rana. They should know Rana. Um, okay, so go go watch this event. So and also Robin Robin Blumner, she's the CEO of CFI and also the executive director of the Richard Dawkins Foundation. So this is the head of the Richard Dawkins Foundation. So the reason why she's not the CEO of Richard Dawkins Foundation is because Richard Dawkins Foundation is now part of cfi right but she's the head of both right so i don't know it's, it's kind of it, it's a huge honor that susanna the ceo of atheist republic and the head of the richard ducking foundation are now speaking on the same panel that's amazing <laughs> i'm very excited yeah yeah that's cool so um, this is gonna be on uh tuesday and um I'm, I'm very excited about this. Thank you to Ona Romano for giving me this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Registration is free. Um, a donation is uh, to CFI Canada is optional. If you want to go um, uh, donate, you can. Um, but otherwise, um, it's free and you can register here. There's also a link if you want the Facebook event and all that stuff. You can find it on Facebook easily. Just search for Protecting Blasphemers Free. Three, and um, I'm I'm very excited. I'm very honored. This I'm a huge blasphemy nerd. Um, I don't get a lot of opportunities to talk about blasphemy law. Um, I feel like it's kind of I mean I in a way I do because we cover it on the news, but not really in the way that I think about it. Um, and I'm a huge nerd on this subject, and it's very niche. And hard to build an audience around. <laughs> but, um, that's why I'm very excited about this because uh, mm. this is something that I'm very passionate about, and I think about it a lot. Um, mm. Good, good. All right, yeah. So yeah, make sure you go check it out. Go support. Like, send the Atheist Republic Army. Make sure you're all there supporting Susanna. I went to I, I went Susanna wherever she goes to an event who uh, all the people who organize the event and all the other people on the platform notice that her community you know follows her where she goes that okay but she... please be appropriate you guys <laughs> no 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 it's fine be, it's, it's it's okay no be fun let them have their fun but i just think like that helps susanna get like you when you guys show up there and be like hey susanna 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 what that does is that it gets susanna invited to more events because they notice oh. that she has a, a lot of fans, right? So when you're there in the live chat, you're like they're saying woo, Susanna and stuff. 
people are like, oh my, okay, we need to invite Susanna to more events, okay? So make sure, and then she will get on more platform and more events. So make sure you go to this event and you show Susanna a lot of support. And also the other people on the platform, like you need to recognize them as well. Like Honor, Honor is like very good at organizing events like this, so you could celebrate him. Um, Rana, Rana has like does amazing activi activism for refugee ex-Muslim refugees in Germany. Uh, you should recognize her work. I don't know much about do uh, Dr. Berman, but also and also Robin Blumner, like the Richard Dawkins Foundation is responsible for Secular Rescue, uh, which is like one of the main foundations out there that is trying to make an attempt to help refugee uh, secular refugees around the world. So you could celebrate Robin. Uh, Blumner as well, but I don't know much about Dr. Berman. Sorry, if I should know him, I'm sorry that I don't. No, I'm sure fine. he's great. I'm sure he's great. Uh, well, I'm not sure about anything, but yeah. Um, oh, Rana is mad at Harris. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> okay. Um, well, go, uh, Harris, you should show up at this event. Um, yeah. Okay. Someone guys. is saying that they can't buy a ticket. I don't know why, because. I'm able to, I checked right now when I can do it. So blank name, uh, I think you have my email. If you still can't do it, let yes. me know when I can make sure you get in. Yeah, I just I just clicked. Look, it just tells you like zero donations, zero dollars. You could like, and then check out. And then that's it. That's what I clicked on it. And that's what happened. All right, cool. Yeah, I don't know what the issue is. Try to use it. Uh, I, I know that some people VPN can't make maybe. it live. It will be recorded and released, but the video for it isn't released until next year. So, oh no, guys! But if, even if you if you can make it live, be live just so that you you should show support, so people see that like you guys are the, the atheist army is there, atheist republic army is there. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Um, thank you. Make sure you like the video. Make sure your likes really help. Like you, some people are like, oh, I wanted to donate, but I'm poor. Don't donate. Don't even think about it. Like the video. Liking the video really supports us, helps us grow the channel. Leave a comment after the stream is over. And make sure that you are on our newsletter, link in the description. You get gifts. You get my book for free. You get Blasphemous Art for free if you're on our newsletter. And it's very important for you guys to be on our newsletter because nowhere on this on any platform except PKD, we're safe, okay? Like, we could be removed from any every social media platform so you need to be in our newsletter, and we have like we have we we come with gifts when you're on yes, free gifts. Yes, we come bearing gifts. Yes, you get like juicy, juicy, sexy blasphemous art and my book for free. My book is a bestseller on Amazon, and you get it for free. Okay, so subscribe. Um, and yeah, talking about PKD, we're oh Harris should know this because Harris was looking at other alter. Yeah, that's my book. Yeah, get it for free. Um, Harris, I don't know if you're still here. There is a because a lot of people are trying to find alternatives to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, well, if you're interested, there are social media platforms now that are based on the blockchain. Okay, and as as we're speaking, the most successful one is Peak D. Okay, it's just peaked. The most peaked. Okay, yes, P. Okay, I don't know how you spell it. It's P E A K D. Okay, link in the description. And not only is you can't censor anybody because it's on the blockchain, like nobody, no heaven, not, not even God powers can remove it because it's on, on the blockchain, right? <laughs> so it's a very, 
So it's a very pro-free speech um, platform because it's been made like that. It's on the blockchain, so it's uncensorable, okay? But also, because it's on the blockchain, you get paid for engaging, all right? So, uh, you know, you if you comment, if you upvote people, if you engage with other with us or other people on this platform, you make money from it, okay? So go check it out. Link to our PICD account in the description. Um, this is the future, I think. I think the future of social media, um, it, it, it 100% sales. is. If it's not this platform, the structure of decentralized yeah. social media is going to be the future. Yeah, it might not be peak D, but you know, we're built web, web 3.0 is a thing, and everything is going to be decentralized, and it's not going to be the Amazon and the Netflixes and the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world. Like, this is a this is a thing that is going to be happening. I don't know when, but it's moving in that direction. and. It's going to be decentralized, and we get to decide which way these these platforms will move as as part of the community, right? So the difference, like, if you want to think about it, on Facebook, the shareholders and the users and the board members are different groups of people, right? On Web 3.0, these are all the same people, okay? Like, the people who are making money from Facebook are not the same people who are using Facebook. On Web 3.0, if you have like a social media outlet, the people who are making money from that organization are the same people who are using it, right? So go check it out. Uh, PKD in the description. Engage with us because we have a good standing on PKD, right? We have a lot of, we have built a lot of assets. Um, I mean, I have, okay, me personally, okay. I will upvote your comments there, and you will it, it will get you started on building credit there. So yeah, check it out. Link in the description. Okay. Um, I had fun today. You did? I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I was in extreme pain today. I still yeah. nailed it. Good. Good job. You shouldn't I have, think you I shouldn't did. Have, I don't know. You guys you tell me. Comment below you if you think you I just have, completely just I just screwed it. <laughs> yeah. No, Harris, how does think Facebook needs to be turned into uh Facebook? Well go well then go check out Peak D. Go check it out, Harris. Peaked. Link in the description. Peaked. <laughs> check out check the link in the description. Um check see what you think. Okay. I think this is the future. Okay. I mean, yeah. Um also Susanna, um, yeah, you are. You are I don't know how like the experience people women get at that time of the month, I heard like it's like getting like stuck, you know, hit with a major like sickness. Like if it's like if oh, you yeah. were, I woke yeah. up in pain. Like yeah, yeah. I think Do you like, know what I, that way, experience is like. It's the horrible. way the way the way the yeah. It it feels like if I if I ever wake up like that, I would be like called a goddamn ambulance. We need to go to the hospital. Like this cannot be. Like I cannot function like this. So the the fact that you just w act like this and go through it, anyways, we should end this because you need to go rest. Coupled by the fact anyways. that I have an actual like disorder on top of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got a damn anyways, high pain tolerance. Okay. <laughs> thank you. I I I suggested to Susanna that let me do this stream today by myself, and she said no. So you guys better be grateful to uh, her. Anyways, talk to you guys later. Bye bye. And see you guys later. Make sure you support us by liking. Don't leave without liking. Okay? Bye. Bye. Come to my speech. <laughs>